0: are listening to ergo <laughs> <laughs>
1: hello what's up
0: i'm kiss i'm damon
1: and you're listening like i said to ergo <laughs> what we do here is showcase the folks reshaping the culture of our city for the more equitable and creative how you feeling dame
0: uh i'm cool i'm cool you know just trying to make it through mm. try to be responsible i'm all right how about you i'm okay i'm trying to be irresponsible and not make it through man i am envy that path. Between the two of us, we'll get somewhere. Even though it doesn't work either way. No, no. (laughs) There's there's no relief.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's one lesson we want you to take from this episode is there's no way out. (laughs) We have a great guest uh, in the studio with us today, but first a couple community announcements. Ergo alum Sam Trump is performing back at the California Clipper on Friday at 1030. I love seeing him in that room. It's one of my favorite rooms for live jazz and Live soul in the city. That's one thousand and two North California Avenue. And then Saturday, Ergo Lum Lester Ray has a listening party for his new project. That's at Q4 Radio twenty six forty three West Chicago. Also Saturday is the next edition of the Hood Wazzy. This one we're changing up the format a little bit. Okay. We have a bunch of aldermanic candidates who have a somewhat radical politic coming into the space, and we're going to be talking to them, grilling them seeing who's actually, if they get in office, going to be down and figuring out who to support leading up to the city election next month. So that's the 19th. It's at the National Museum of Mexican Art. We Got a whole bunch of people, including mayoral candidate Amara Enya in the building. And then... On the 24th, Ruby Hornet and Closed Sessions are bringing back their Digital Freshness series. It's like 2014 all over Man, again. Ruby
0: Hornet. I haven't
1: uh-huh. heard in a while. Shout so out so Alex Fructo. We're going to get him up on the <laughs> show. Um, but Open Mike Eagle with friend of the show, Fest Grandiose, doing a beat set. And then the one and only DJ Cashera spinning. Uh, so that's at The Empty Bottle, 1035 Northwestern. On Thursday, the 24th, starting at 8.30 p.m. And then as always... You can donate to us on PayPal or Patreon. That's at the bottom of Mm ErgoRadio.com. I'm at ErgoKiss.
0: I'm Damon underscore
1: AF. And we're at Ergo Radio on everything. Yep. So now without further ado, let's get to the founder and director of VAM Studio. He has a new web series called Damaged Goods on the way. We talk a lot about a whole bunch of things, mostly about how we can reshape our creative film industry in the city and beyond. Uh, Vincent Martel. Let's get it. Here we go. Yo. Here we are back in the studio. Doing it. With a very special guest. Uh, Vincent Martel is here. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thanks for having me.
0: That was Super first set. of all an impressive sound effect. <laughs> we we commend folks who just jump right in that I'm water. Often people it. look at us like we are
3: <laughs> No, I feel like I'm at home. On some type of spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on that spectrum. <laughs> yeah, that so we out. appreciate yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you spectrum for meeting us as where as we are. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely.
1: <laughs>
2: Absolutely.
1: What folks who are listening couldn't see was that in order to create that sound, it was clearly something that you have done many times before
0: <laughs> and have practiced. Absolutely. You are ready to go ready to go
3: yeah was that a sound that you made as a kid no it's literally a sound that I usually make when I'm just super excited or overwhelmed and mm-hmm. i honestly don't plan it there you go. <laughs> it's usually like i stumble over my words a lot mm-hmm. so that was kind of like my way of solving that yeah, it's, it's good to have an opto. out so yeah. but yeah no i hear you I'm glad you appreciate no, that. no for
1: sure it the it's really good to clear dead air you know, absolutely just to, to avoid that problem so real so did, true did you have any like things i would when i was like two uh-huh. i would do this thing with like my toe go, la, 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 like all the time yeah
3: Constantly. No,
0: that was pretty cool. You were like, like <laughs> No, nah, I, I just can't remember. I'm sure I did.
1: You were like ready for VIP. Uh, <laughs> like I'm not I'm not gonna like get too big yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. gonna do anything crazy. Anyway, let's start where we uh, where we usually start, which is in this time, in this moment, this season Defined however you define it. How is the world treating you and how are you treating the world?
3: I love that question. That's badass. Shout out to Damon. Yeah, great question. You know, I've realized that in order to get something from the world, you have to give first. And I think, you know, last year was really cool because it was me laying the foundation for my production studio and kind of formulating my work and just giving Giving, giving, giving. And this month especially, I've just felt that love returned in full um, already, like, out the gun. Mm-hmm. So that's been a really beautiful thing to see, all this wonderful support that I didn't really know that was there, that's mm-hmm. kind of been, you know, manifesting in 2018, and now it's coming tenfold in 2019. So mm-hmm. it's treating me well. I'm, I'm going with it. I'm fucking with it.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, I'm, I'm all about the vibes and the energy.
1: It's funny how arbitrary years are, but it actually does kind of start a new thing. Like, I feel it doesn't mean anything except for in our minds, yeah, and then it does inform it. how we move.
3: Absolutely.
0: I definitely, as this year was ending, was like, I want to stop upholding the year thing. I want to figure out.
1: <laughs> You're an I annual know, like, abolitionist? Yeah. I
0: want to <laughs> figure out how to stop. Like, yeah. yeah. I want to make, make my plans on five-year scales on one absolutely.
3: I mean that's I think it's it's so important. I mean I I I'm a big dreamer mm-hmm. and you know I'm also a realist and I think it it comes a time where you you see those dreams and you know that you can make them happen but you know you have to be really diligent in like mm-hmm. what that timeline looks mm-hmm. like Yeah. Um, so like I'm always you know we plan our production schedule three months in advance I'm always thinking like you know a year or two years ahead um, so I'm always like laying the groundwork for the next year
0: Yeah. yeah I either want to expand it Hell or yeah. shrink it like either Absolutely. like the way we think of a year like yeah. do it for five years Yeah. or like Every three months is a year.
3: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> this is gonna be, of all your of all your campaigns, one that's tough to get by it
2: on, I think.
0: None of my campaigns work, so I'm comfortable with that. I would, I would support that campaign. Though. All right, all right, all we, right. Got yeah, we got one person in the You got up. one in the room. Yeah, let me get a clipboard ready.
1: <laughs> so You're talking about everything that came from that leg, we're kind of starting to, to come back in. For those who don't know, at this point in time, What is VAM? What is it doing? What are you seeing it in relationship to the rest of the world?
3: Yeah. VAM Studio is um, an inclusive production company. We formulate video content and film content specifically Mm -hmm. for our community. Um, It's probably the most diverse production company out right now, um, comprised of women, POC, QPOC, trans folks, all creating film at the best quality level you can think of. Um, I think where we stand where we stand out in the industry is, you know, there's this push for being inclusive, but no one's really putting the work into making mm-hmm. an industry more inclusive. And instead of waiting to see if shit would happen, we were just going to do it ourselves. Mm. Um, so we've, gotten the opportunity to work with so many amazing artists and corporations who vibe with our mission. It's because that team is like crafting our our narrative. We're crafting our 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 company and people are really vibing with it. it mm-hmm. It's been really really cool.
0: So can can you educate me for a second cuz there's there's a gap in my understanding yeah. that I would like to fill. So Absolutely. I know very clearly what production is. I've yeah, been on a lot of sets. For I've sure. seen the production process. Yeah. I get that. Uh-huh. I however really don't know what a production company is yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so you know we're uh, like i imagine it's the, they hire the the people who do the but
3: like absolutely and it's it's more so it's, it's exactly that it, we're we're a team of people who get hired to produce content or films or whatever for other people um so i think a production company is for hire we're making our own original content which is super cool right. mm-hmm. with our first web series coming out in a couple months short films um music videos experimental films um, and a lot of times, people pay us to do that, which is super dope. Um, which that's is, even
1: more fun than when they don't.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, it's still yeah. fun yeah.
1: even when they don't. But Absolutely. it's even more fun when they do. Yeah,
3: and that's how we started. Is yeah. you know, just putting in our own money, which was nothing. <laughs> right. that's we were broke as fuck. Yeah. Um, and now it's it's again we put that into the world, and now we're getting it back, and we're for hire, and we're you know cranking out several productions a month. Mm-hmm. How uh,
1: how many people, when you say we, I assume it's not just the royal we. How many people are we
3: talking about? <laughs> the royal we. Yeah, I, there's there's about 12 people, um, and that's just in Chicago. That consists of, you know, uh, director photographers, photographers, um, editors, sound people, um, art directors, um, and now we're growing our team to New York and mm-hmm. L.A. and now Atlanta and now working with directors in London, um, all kind of surrounding this mission of, you know, being inclusive and and pushing the industry in a new direction.
1: Yeah. So you like messed around and got a staff. Yeah, I you know. You like ended right? up now it's being wild. someone with a staff. It's nuts. It's nuts. How have you learned how to be someone who leads a staff? Because yeah. very few, I mean, some, some people we've had on, we've had people who like lead a nonprofit or whatever or are artists who work in collaboration. Absolutely. But there are very few examples. Yeah. The same way you're talking about push for Inclusivity, there's all kinds of things in how the dynamic in a room plays out, uh, when you're making something that informs that, So how? what are the models for you, if there are any, of how to like lead a staff?
3: Yeah, and I think that has been like my biggest challenge is figuring out how I can properly lead a team of my peers. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot who know a lot more than me about the industry. And what I've learned first is it's not about you. Um, that mission that you create is the priority. Um, so putting myself second to all of my other, you know, team members is, is incredibly important. Um, fostering their growth as artists and human beings and connecting with them on a fucking homey basis mm-hmm. is, is so important as a leader um, to get people encouraged and motivated to kind of, you know, fulfill whatever you need fulfilled. Um, it, it takes a lot of, you know, uh, adjusting. Mm-hmm. Everyone's different. Um, So your leadership style has to reflect those different personalities. Um, You can't lead someone, might be a bit timid, the same way that you will lead someone who's super outgoing and adventurous. And um, I think you have to be considerate of the personalities and the energies that you're you're fostering.
0: Yeah. So you said you learned it early on, like you can't, Putting the team before yourself. I learned the hard way. That's what I was about to ask. <laughs> did you learn that from intuition or was there like a lesson? You're or, like, or, hey, yes, stop struggles?
1: putting yourself before the team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As much or as little of the stories you want to share, what yeah, was the learning absolutely. moment?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think the cool thing about VAM Studio is it's we're constantly communicating within the group. Um, a lot of the d- decisions are very democratic where, for instance, if we get a project in Um, it goes out to the entire team and we decide as a team whether or not we're going to take on that project. And that can be with a small indie local artist or like a huge national corporation. Um, I think, you know, giving everyone that transparency is super, super important.
1: I I hear what you say. And I am
3: curious, like how did you learn how to do that? The feedback. Again, Mm -hmm. that transparency is super important. And I think hearing feedback from the group on things that I can improve on I think first is a bit of a sting but I think one great thing that I am is a listener I'm a great listener and you know whatever criticism or critiques I get even though I might be a little ignorant about it at first I always reflect on that Mm. and I always try to do better um, so the feedback and that transparency is is that was given to me and kind of motivated by my team and my crew um, allowed me to see things that I needed to improve on mm. and work to improve on them.
1: Yeah, I want to talk about something that jumping off of that that is not specific to this work, but it's just something I've been thinking a lot about, which is defensiveness. And yeah.
3: I've been really
1: <clears throat> noticing the times in which my response comes from a place of defensiveness rather than a place of, like, openness or listening. And very rarely does it have to do only with what the other person is saying. Right. Um, and so I still know that I have that reaction, but I'm trying to, like, be able to identify, like, why do I jump to that over something else? And it's been, it's, it's been a real challenge. So I'm curious for both of y'all, uh, like, is that a reaction that you find yourself going to? And what do you think, like, motivates it? And how are you working through it?
3: Yeah. I think it used to be that way for me where I was super defensive over everything. And it's because, um, I mean, I, I don't have a mentor. I don't come from the production industry. I don't come from money. Um, so it's, I was working incredibly hard to build something. And whenever Mm. I got a critique, I took it as a critique against that thing. Um, I think, you know, first realizing that, um, you just have to, you have to remain open-minded if you're willing to grow. Yeah. And I think this point in my life, I'm really excited to grow and learn, right? And you can only do that when you're getting feedback yeah. from people. Um, you have to remain open to that if you're willing to grow. And that's, that's one thing that I've learned, and I've benefited from that firsthand.
0: Yeah. What about you, dude? Yeah, it's definitely something I feel, and even more than just personally within my body, uh, I see it as like prevalent everywhere and with everybody. Yeah. I hate to always like go back to like the entire history of humanity. <laughs> we should have made a short form podcast if we weren't gonna do that. <laughs> but you know, I, I think it is a, a, a evolutionary survival trait, especially for our current environment that is like really anti communal and, and rooted in violence. And so I think part of it is we are used to critique or someone naming or poking at our vulnerability, uh, I think leading to being exploited or competed with. Um, And so we have just like developed these responses that are are very triggered by any type of opposition. Mm. Um, I think also the way we are taught to give feedback and critique is not necessarily balanced or affirming or like proactive. So when I feel defensive... Because often in spaces, I try to be very transparent and accountable to my limitations. And so, you know, getting a critique, you're not telling me something new. Yeah, <laughs> You're telling me <laughs> the thing that I'm trying to deal with. It's like, with. I've
1: had that conversation four times with <laughs> me already. So. <laughs> yeah. so so,
0: so for me, the, the defensiveness is not as much you're wrong or, you know, I'll show you. But it's like, okay, well, then what can you do to help? Mm-hmm. And yeah. if you're not coming with that, then... I'm it I sometimes find myself in a point of like wanting to dismiss yeah. or wanting to separate or <laughs> wanting to um not, not not overcompensate. I have to resist the urge to like be petty. Yeah.
3: Yeah story of my life.
0: Because it's like, yeah, I know, uh yeah, you know, I'm dealing with the same reality of the world <laughs> yeah. that everyone else is. But what are you yeah. contributing <laughs> Yeah. Uh and so it is it is it is then frustrating to be like, Oh, you're uncomfortable. Um, especially I think in positions of leadership, yeah, yeah. Where, where you are expected, or all, even if you're not expected, you are giving more proportionally to whatever the collective work is or the yeah. collective goal is. So yeah. it's really a hard like thing to accept that most people don't know how to communicate. Absolutely, I think their their discomfort. Uh, yeah. or the things that they observe. Yeah. And you
3: touched on a really good point and vulnerability I think is a really important part of learning and taking that feedback without getting defensive and yeah. you know as a as a black man right, we're right. taught not to be vulnerable mm-hmm. from birth, right? Mm-hmm. Um and so th- that being a very important tool in order to grow it's we then have to figure out how do we overcome society's expectations of how we're supposed to look when we get feedback or Hmm. how we're supposed to respond. And that's, that's present for any marginalized community. Um, But I think vulnerability is a big part of learning and growing and Hmm. you have to remain vulnerable um, if you're willing to learn.
0: And I think the, the, the neoliberal shift of like really, Overemphasizing the the notion of like the rugged individual, yeah. Who, you know, like the Jay Z story. Like you have to be perfect to yeah. be seen as, as successful, yeah. And so that I think teaches to further suppress vulnerability beyond like what human beings already do. Yeah. But in this world where you got to be, where you got to brand yourself, you got to market yourself, you <laughs> yeah. got to be an overcomer, you got to be a survivor, you got to be. You are the product. You know. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a good it, it, point. It's really hard to be like, oh, but sometimes. I am impatient, you know, or right. it's like,
2: Absolutely. like, no,
0: I'm, I'm, I'm perfect. I'm, you know, it's kind of like the Kanye effect.
2: Yeah. Like, totally
3: you know, I need to shout my,
0: my <laughs> I need to shout my abilities at the, the the mountaintop and frame my humanity as almost impenetrable or, or invulnerable, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, to be vulnerable is to, to get knocked out of the market is to fall behind is to be yeah. second place to become irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So what are we going to do about that? I'm just, I mean, I'm just yeah, not on you, yeah, but no. I'm, I'm no, curious let's, let's, as someone who's participating let's in this industry around the problem. Yeah, yeah definitely.
3: <laughs> so, I mean, I think we need to let marginalized people from marginalized communities make mistakes. Yeah. And I think you know, going back to the Kanye effect, right? I think it's because there are a lot of people around that person making him feel as though he's perfect. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you need people who are going to call you out on your shit. Um, I think that that's a really important part of it. I th- I think if society were willing to, you know, let queer people, POC people, trans folks make mistakes and learn, um, you would see a shift in the hmm. consciousness. But I think it's up to us to yeah. kind of formulate what uh, – what our definition of that is.
1: Yeah. What are some creative mistakes you've made that you feel like you've learned from?
3: I think the biggest one, which is kind of synonymous across all mediums is working with the right people. Yeah. Um, And that can be, you know, clients. One thing that we've learned really straight off the bat is, you know, no matter who you are, no matter how much money you're bringing us, if you don't understand our mission, if you don't understand our team, we can't ride with you. Yeah, um, and we've turned down a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can like see in the back of your eyes. <laughs> I know, I know, because I'm not rich at all. <laughs> um, but I think you know we turned down a lot of money because we wanted to stay true to our ethics. That's a really important part of our base as a company is our integrity and keeping that.
0: So, so yeah, let's stay there because th- you know I think in in recent months we've been wanting to pull out more of the 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 issues that I think money brings in our relationships. Uh, so I am proposing that, you know, the dollar as a debt based instrument causes imbalance Mm. and without like certain communal other practices in place outside of a a, a monetary relationship, it corrodes human relationships. So how would have taken some of that money that you declined compromise those ethics that you stood on?
3: Yeah, it would have strayed us away from, you know, our our audience, our our community, I think. You know, the reason why we have such a loyal base is because there are people who know and expect a certain uh, ethic throughout all of our work, mm-hmm. um, whether that's us working with Red Bull or working with Jamila Woods. It's this this cohesiveness Um, that is still speaking to our community in some way or another. Hmm. Um, If we were to work with people who didn't understand that, our audience would totally see that and call us out on that. Hmm. Um, One reason why we reject work is because we want to make sure that it's being conscious of our community and where we come from.
1: So that's a beautiful thing in that accountability. I wonder if at any point that could feel limiting. Um, not even in regard to like corporate money, but in regard to like, we want to do a thing that doesn't look like <laughs> yeah, the things we've made yeah, before yeah. that isn't, you know, about 27 to 29 year olds in Chicago. I miss old
0: Kanye. Yeah.
1: You know, like, you know, I want to do, <laughs> so we want to do this, you know, not even necessarily experimentally, like just something drastically different. And it's one thing to say like, our our base might not follow us to it, but it's another thing to feel like maybe like this could be something that we would be criticized for is just mm-hmm. doing something else.
3: Do you feel any of that tension? Oh, absolutely. And I think to go off of that, it's incredibly lonely creating work that isn't you know quote unquote mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, it's us taking a risk and being unapologetic about taking that risk. Yeah, um, that's that's something that we we think about all the time. Is you know it might. It might limit us um, as far as who we're reaching, but it's always reinforcing the the relationships that we already have with those community members.
0: Mm-hmm. Out there. So I've heard you say we and our community, yeah, a lot. Do yeah, you, do you have uh, do you define that community?
3: Um, I mean, it, it's a number of things. And I think that it has to do with, you know, me just fucking with being an intersectional artist. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's that community is filled with artists of color. That community is filled with underground and independent artists. Mm-hmm. That community is filled with queers in the LGBTQ community. Um, there there are so many communities that kind of is the essence of who I am and who mm. my team is. And, you know, that's something that we're always looking out for, mm. which I think in turn uh, is really cool because you see this, this range of content from us where mm. we're not just focusing on one specific uh, marginalized community. We're mm-hmm. focusing on them all, whereas, you know, we can do a project with, uh, Jamila again I love Jamila yeah. She's oh, part Jamila. of the fan I saw her Ergo
0: alum. What's today? Tuesday Tuesday Saw her Sunday
3: Dope Dope Jamila's she dope doing Well I well. saw
0: her
1: last Wednesday
0: Alright so, Alright <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, love Jam, and I think Jam has taught us a lot about intersectionality as well. Cause she's she's such a great example of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's did you uh, just one up us with the nickname? <laughs> oh, Jimmy, <laughs> I just me.
0: call her <laughs>
2: Joss. I, did,
3: I, <laughs> I didn't know that we were at
0: Jam level. That, that there
2: you go. That's sorry. pretty good. That's <laughs> no, cool. No. It's actually funny I when told I told you I felt like home here
1: <laughs> when I saw her last week. I I've heard because I've been I produce this other show that's all poets, whatever, and they many or people who she's very close to and they call her Jam and I've been around her in that context and I saw her and I was like, hey Jam and then I was like, oh, did I? Oh, y- you took
0: it too far. <laughs> yeah. You're a little too yeah, comfortable. A little, a little <laughs> <tea-comfortable>. <laughs> <laughs> So, oh
3: but yeah, going, <laughs> so, uh, going back to my point, uh, it, I think it shows the range where we can work with artists like Jamila and then, you know, do a project with Red Bull and then a project with Apple and then do something with Grinder, and then go back and do something with, you know, Chance the Rapper. Mm-hmm. I think that just goes to show. I think Chance you know, should be in as, the Grinder video. As
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, what kind of projects, when it's like a corporate account like that, is are we, we're talking about making like... Is it ads? Is it web pieces? What is it somewhere in the middle? What are you making? Yes.
3: Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's more so whenever we get pitched something, mm-hmm. we're always pitching something back that's even mm. crazier or, or weird yeah. or like we're always pushing the limits. So if we get pitched something from a, a company or a corporation or whatever, we look at it, usually we roll our eyes, <laughs> um, and then think how we can make it better. Um, so that... I mean, for instance, usually it's it's short films. It's yeah. you know experimental works. It's you know how do we create this uh, ten minute video on young poets in Chicago for Apple? You know right. what I mean? And what does that look like? And how can we make that more experimental than just like your typical ad? Yeah. Um, so it's us, like you know getting the opportunity and then totally twisting it and yeah. t- throwing it on its head.
1: Isn't it amazing how many people have really well-paying jobs who come up with really bad ideas? So many Like not people. like awful ideas, but just
3: yeah. not creative ideas. No, it doesn't surprise me actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, as long as those people know that there are other people out there with <laughs> yeah. better ideas and if they're willing to give them money to execute it, then I'm all good with that. <laughs>
0: how do, I won't even say you... But you, as a part of the we, yeah, that I feel a part of, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. How do we, yeah, um, who are working to break down some of the like fragmented, oppressive obstacles in terms of inclusion, participation, yeah. uh, whether it's the political, the cultural realm, protect ourselves from co optation in mm-hmm. a time where that mission is very marketable mm. for folks who don't really care about it they just want to stay right re- so let's say like an apple for example right like apple's cool in their aesthetic i guess <laughs> but i don't think on the whole as a cor- you know as a transnational corporation they really care about the yeah. mission of diversity so i'm not like shitting on whatever no, the project was yeah, <laughs> just yeah, no. to be clear yeah, yeah, but like I'm, I'm trying to figure out those standards for myself of like we want to do this how do you like then measure entities with more power wanting to exploit
3: that work or that mission? Absolutely. That's a great question. That happens a lot. Yeah. Um, I think <laughs> it happens a lot. Um, I think in what I've done to protect myself and my production team is we vet everyone hmm. and we do research, uh, a lot of research before we'll even consider going into a deal with anyone. Um, and you know that i think has saved us a lot of headaches whereas you know say a corporation a client someone with an idea or a pitch comes to us um where we're not only like doing research on that person on like a business level but we're also stalking their instagram we're also Ooh. stalking their twitter and mm-hmm. seeing what they're saying about politics mm-hmm. we're also mm-hmm. like Going into each member of their team, and that's that's a similar route that we take when bringing people onto the team. Um, before we hire anyone, we're we're vetting them for you know months, sometimes even years before we invite them onto the team because we want to make sure that their ethics are aligned with us, mm-hmm. and that's something that you don't get via email. Mm-hmm. You think you have to dig a little deeper and mm-hmm. take a little time to make sure that you know that person will respect who you are. Um, and all of you.
0: So, so what I hear from that is like separating the human from the yes, corporation. Yeah. Absolutely. The yeah. Centering that relationship.
3: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And don't be afraid to, you know, vet your people, uh, or vet people who come to you.
1: Are there any great stories of something that you found on some corporate clients, Instagram that made you go, you don't have to get into the who they yeah, are if you want, but something yeah. that like. Like oh, this is a hashtag that we are not going to be working with.
3: I mean, it can be as simple as like a Trump follow. You know, well, I mean, again, you, yeah. Where it's just like, oof. <laughs> I don't know if it's gonna work.
1: <laughs> it is a. It is really nice when people just snitch on themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like you provided us with all of the information. <laughs>
3: Thank you for
0: laying
1: down the, the template.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we, we found the Scooby snacks.
0: <laughs> so on the other side, right? Like, so that's like the folks who have relation to power. On the other end, like the proverbial mixtape passer outer mm. right? Like,
2: <laughs>
0: like I, you know, you you have an infrastructure that is so coveted in our digital content-driven world, and especially in Chicago, you know, similar to like a you know a, a studio engineer for like music or or a producer. They're like, oh, put me on or let me get in. Like, how do you? What advice do you have for folks who like? don't understand mm-hmm. yet or have not yet experienced all of what it takes to go into production mm-hmm. who want, who are not like ready, but are like hitting you up to You're like the to DJ interrupt.
1: drama of
3: web series. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like that's a co-sign. That's like an infrastructure that will make sure it gets. There. Uh,
3: I mean, I think let me show you the script. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah.
3: <laughs> I, I think about myself. I mean, just two years ago, we, Got incorporated as a production company and before that again i don't come from the production industry i had no connections whatsoever mm-hmm. minus like my friend sam bailey but it was incredibly lonely because you feel like you're just out here by yourself mm-hmm. trying to make something bigger than yourself mm-hmm. happen mm-hmm. um one thing that i found really cool is you know you have to reach out to that community. Um, that you that you know, reach out to your friends first and have them give you critique or have them look at your your work first um, also be willing to give to the community uh, one thing i 'm really passionate about is. In order to expect something from the community, you have to give to the community you first, right? Yeah. Um, and when I first started out, I was I think like, "This is
0: time for Lauren Hill." <laughs> yes. Reciprocity. <Absolutely. laughs>
3: That'll be in there in post. Perfect. Perfect. Um, when I was first starting out, and I was trying to like spread the good Van word, and like no one was really biting. And I was like, what the hell is going on? This is so dope. Like this could be huge. Then I realized that like I wasn't supporting anyone in the community for them to like get excited about my work. Mm -hmm, You know what I mean? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So for two years I was giving free content to my community, doing free work for my people, um, pushing and supporting their content on my, my platform, um and then I started to see people get more and more excited about what I had to give. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So l- let's talk about what you have to give because I know yeah. we're talking in a very exciting time. Um
3: Yeah, super excited. And
1: and damaged goods is is on the way. Uh for those who don't know, what's the what's
3: the story? What do we got? What are we about to see? Yo, damaged goods I'm so excited about. And every time I, I talk about it, I just have like the biggest Your smile eyes. on my yeah, face. Yeah. 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 It, it was the
1: opposite Expression of when you thought about all the money that you turned. Out.
3: <laughs> it's so real. God. Now I'm thinking about it again. <laughs> no, uh, think about damage you know, goods. Damage goods. goods. Damaged I'm back. <laughs> uh, damage goods is just really beautiful. It's a gritty, authentic story, kind of inspired by me and my friends, um, centered around four creatives of color, hustling and try to make shit work and happen for them. Um, I think the cool thing about damaged goods is we're, we're going into creatives in a way that I haven't seen portrayed before, where we're seeing them in the workplace and what they're experiencing. Uh, We're going to the nightlife and you, clubs and bars and seeing these four friends who are so incredibly messy, just messy and nuanced, which I think is so important for us to show people of color just as our normal selves. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to play into stereotypes. Um, So you have these four very flawed characters who are trying to navigate hustling and surviving in Chicago where they're experiencing issues like, how am I going to pay rent? Yeah. Next month, you know, at mean? Mm-hmm. and they're like, where do I get, you know, uh, my next, my next big break? Yeah. Um, instead of focusing on the traumas and the tragedies, it's more so about how these people focus on each other and help support each other as a chosen family. Mm. Um, it's very much a, a simple story, but rooted in this very exciting and colorful, um, gritty world. It, with which I'm inspired by and have come from in the underground art scene in Chicago. When you say colorful, you mean I'm thinking you know
1: having watched the trailer, that is <laughs> something that really stuck out. That's beyond the narrative. Yeah. It's the the very, um, like not florid, but like past pastel isn't even really the right word. But the the way that the aesthetic and the way that it's shot like looked different from yeah. because there are. Not specifically the same, but there are a lot of web series about four friends trying to navigate their twenty somethings so I'm curious in thinking about the aesthetic, like what are you trying to what world have you been trying to craft with it?
3: Yeah, so it's kind of that that community that I was talking about earlier mm-hmm. where you know it's it's colorful visually where it's I'm a colorful guy, um so working with art direction and wardrobe and making sure that you know those pieces that we bring into the series are from Chicago artists, from queer artists, from artists of color. Whereas, you know, we have set design pieces and music throughout. That's all from our community. That makes it colorful and vibrant. There's an energy and excitement in that. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to show that in every single department. Um, And we took a very long time to make sure that that was present. So when you're watching it, it's not just your typical story of four friends. It's a typical story of, four friends who rooted in this really beautiful Chicago underground art community, yeah. and that's present in every single scene.
0: What has doing this work taught you about the community that you are portraying and recrafting?
3: I think I've learned through this project of how supportive our community is. Um, where you know this is my first narrative, my my first narrative directorial debut. Um, You got the beret
0: to go with it.
1: I do. I do. For those listening at home, we have a beret in the building.
3: (laughs) We
0: have a beret. Anybody in here is the director.
1: (laughs) You actually brought your own director's chair with the
0: cloth bag, which
3: seems like a pain to lug around. My production assistant does it (laughs) for me. Yeah, Um, I forgot what the question
0: was. What did you learn about the community?
3: Yeah, how supportive it was. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the love again that has been shown is something that I'm seeing on. Uh, such a huge level, more than I've ever seen before, um, and that's because it took a community to really build this production. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just me, you know what I mean. There's so many more departments and so many more artists who are supporting that department, um, and it feels just like a community thing, you know. It's so it's so cool, it's so gritty, um, and we're not shying away from drugs. We're not shying away from sex um it's, shout out to drugs and shout out to both of them <laughs> it's an extremely i think edgy series mm-hmm. and i think that's what makes it different um we're, we're not shying away from the things that we love and it's more so how can we make that feel you know cinematic
1: yeah yeah because that's that the cinematic is the perfect word to describe what i was feeling like it just looked um dynamic Thanks. so Thanks, sh- from the little it. bit i've seen shout out to you for making
3: something that looked yeah. really really dynamic yeah. shout out to the crew yeah shout dire out to the crew vam studio
1: all of the crews all of
3: in all of the, the, all of the world <laughs> so many crews
0: <laughs> <laughs> so let, let, let's um let's stay with some of the lessons the communal lessons right so i'm hearing like uh the cooperative supportive mm-hmm. foundation yeah uh but i think it's really important that we don't homogenize mm. community or make it abstract. And I think mm. in order to like yeah. struggle through that, we have to name the tensions or the contradictions within our community I absolutely agree. Yeah. That helps us define them and uh, project our path of movement.
3: Evolve, yeah. Yep,
0: yep, evolve, exactly. Uh, so what? without being, you know, I'm not asking you to be messy or put anything out that yeah. is not like absolutely. comfortable. No, uh, but what like... are some of those strains of tension or contradiction that you, you feel the community is working through and needs to continue working through.
3: Absolutely. So, I mean, I think the cool thing, the beautiful thing about VAM is we've always prioritized um, working with uh, the LGBTQ and women. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a gay black man. So I wanted to make sure that my production company represented that and prioritized those people. Um, I think what we're seeing now specifically in Chicago is how supportive uh, institutions have been specifically towards um, cis hetero men Mm -hmm. and how disruptive that can be when those men aren't supporting and creating safe spaces for those other. um, The crazy thing is, you know, VAM is unique because we've never prioritized... um, straight men, you know what I mean? Ever. Mm-hmm. Fuck uh, him. I mean, no, nah, fuck him. They're, they're, they're super I'm supportive joking, of I'm us joking, too. I'm and we have, we have, we have one straight guy on our team. The, the, um, the honestly,
1: I find that tokenizing.
3: <laughs> Welcome to my room. Yeah, yeah. uh, but I think, you know, we need more places like VAM to, you know, create safe spaces and safe environments and what we're seeing in Chicago is that hasn't been prioritized um, on a widespread yeah. level. Um, and that's one thing that we've always fought against. Mm-hmm. We're always trying to make it inclusive. We're always figuring out how we can make things more safe. We're always trying to be a resource and a vessel for, for those people um, specifically for black and women of color,
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, women of color of a, I think, I mean, I don't want to get emotional, but my existence as a gay black man has everything to do with black women lifting me up throughout the years, um, my entire life. Um, So I'm always prioritizing them, which makes, I think, what's happening in Chicago so incredibly sad because it shows how much us as a city have have ignored those women, um, those women of color. So if anything, it just makes me work, even harder to make spaces for those people um, who don't feel safe in the city.
1: Beyond the step of hiring and and providing opportunity in the ways that you do, what does this look like on set or in an editing bay that prioritizes Because, you know, there was an article last week about a few of the department heads on Black Panther who are black women talking about The tangible things that Ryan Coogler had done to make that feel like a place where they didn't have to jump past a barrier to be heard. So, what is what are what are some of the tools that you've seen people employ on or on your set?
3: Yeah. So, some things we do on our set is it can start in a morning meeting where people we start with pronouns, preferred pronouns, which is something that doesn't happen on sets, Mm -hmm. um, which I think you know we want to respect pronouns and. Mm -hmm that is a simple technique that has shown to be so incredibly effective because people feel seen um, in a way they don't usually feel seen on, you know, white cis hetero sets, which is, you know, majority of the production industry. Um, We have production assistants, you know, walking around with sage and incense and smudging and asking people how they're doing. Um, We also will, create teaching sets which i think is super important where we're bringing on high school kids and younger aspiring filmmakers on set to learn um one thing that we always say on our sets is like don't be afraid to ask questions don't be afraid to stop something if you don't understand what's going on um this is all a learning experience for everyone so we want to make sure that that you're you're getting something out of this um these are just small things really easy to facilitate that aren't being done and any production companies that I know of yeah. um, so we're, we're you know I want to say taking the lead but we're just doing it because it's who we are right. um, you know my first experience on sets were on a S- Sam Bailey's productions You're So Talented and Brown Girls where you know she a black woman was pushing for inclusive sets and teaching sets and that's kind of where our foundation was mm-hmm. inspired by words shout out to Sam yeah shout out to Sam always
0: I want to go back to the um the claim of Chicago especially you know in this like literal season um as I think some of those contradictions tensions yeah have hit like you know the public sphere absolutely uh and so to paraphrase what I I heard you say is that like Chicago is in a place of not crises, but it it was it was named as distinct, and so I think you you travel a lot and have experience in other spaces. Um, and a curiosity I have is is the problem actually worse here in Chicago, or is the resistance here stronger that is pushing it more <laughs> to the forefront?
3: Yeah, that's a great question, and you know, I I don't know is what I, yeah, yep. how I can answer that. And Great it, answer. And, it, and it's, and it's because, you know, what I'm speaking to specifically is how, um, we've, we've, as a city shielded perpetrators and, yep. um, abusers, um, specifically towards women of color. Right. And I think it would take a woman of color to answer that question yep. effectively. Um, what I can say though, is nationally, um, we could be doing a better job. Absolutely, you know. Yeah. I'm I'm a black gay man, but I'm still a man with power mm-hmm. in in a, in a position of power. Mm-hmm. Um, so although I think you know I'm doing good work, I could always be putting in more work to do better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want more people to take that and do something with it. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: No, that makes that makes all the sense. I think like that that question has been, um, whenever there's something, whether it's on the organizing end or in general, like how much of this is the fact that it's vi- even visible at all a result of the collective strength of the resistance to it. Right. Because you know? yeah, yeah. there's lots of places where people who have committed awful harm get um, sheltered and protected and it never sees the light of day.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, so, it's so true. And yeah. sometimes I wonder, like you know, how much better we would be as a soci- society if we we put that focus of building um, artists up, specifically within women and POC and <laughs> QPOC people. As well, we do and with that's your work, people. I mean, it sounds like that's straight men. Yeah. What you're doing? <laughs> yeah, you know? it's, it's what we've been doing.
1: So you said going back that there wasn't a like mentor explicitly. Are there, even if it's not a one-to-one comparison, but as you've dug into this industry in different ways, are there lineages that you see yourself in in terms of trying to build this container with this particular goal? Like in the 70s and 80s and the 90s and the 60s, were there people doing a version of this that you've been like, oh, there's an echo of what I'm
0: trying to make. Also the arts of the 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> nah, we're skipping that.
2: <laughs>
1: That's allowed. Um, I just don't think of that as history yet.
3: We're <laughs> close. Um, I'm covering my own lane. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's lonely because I don't know any anyone who I'm particularly, um, you know, crafting my career um, to emulate. Mm-hmm. Um I kind of see what we're doing as revolutionary and it's kind of us laying the foundation for the next generation of artists Mm -hmm. and filmmakers. Um, So no, Mm -hmm. no, I don't. I can't think of one specific person or one specific thing that has kind of uh, been a template for me it's been me kind of figuring it out and experimenting yeah. um, as best I can, which is you know scary, but also incredibly gratifying. Yeah, um, because we're doing it on our own terms. We're we're creating our our new expectations that you know maybe people ten years from now will look at and see as something.
1: Yeah. So in doing in learning that way, one thing that I you know because even just in the. In the media that we've made, I, we've, we've taken that same kind of approach in certain ways of yeah. like, let's make with what we have. And then what comes out of that is you learn both the remarkable potential of doing things. And then also you learn your limitations right? very quickly. Yeah. So at this point, not even just when you started, but at this point, are there things that it's not that you wouldn't be able to, but at this point, you don't know how to do yet that you're really excited to figure out how to do.
3: Yeah, man. I'm like, I mean, with this web series, I'm excited to yeah. kind of get into the industry in um, a national level. And I think damaged goods for us is a template for us to really get into the industry hmm. and shake shit up. Um, that's one thing that I'm super, super excited about that I, I don't really... I think one thing that we need to think of is, um, opportunities and in order for you to kind of know that you can do something, you need that opportunity first. Mm -hmm. Um, people from marginalized communities don't really get those same opportunities that their white counterparts get. Um, so I'm just trying to get these opportunities. And I think the cool thing is every time we're giving that opportunity, we always kill it. (laughs) It's just a matter of getting them. Mm -hmm. um and that's what we're doing is we've laid the foundation we're expanding on a national level people are buzzing about us um so let's take these bigger opportunities and you know capitalize on them
0: (laughs) what what does that look like right because opportunity and access is like a step Mm -hmm. and then what what is the projection of once that access is yeah. somewhat, right? Like we'll always need more accessibility, but mm. once we are at a better place than where we are yeah. in today's reality, yeah. what do you see? And this is not like yeah. something you have to do, Absolutely. but like your vision or yeah. dream of what is the yeah. a potential result of that. Access. Absolutely.
3: Well, I think, you know, one thing I think about is my definition of success. Mm-hmm. Um, and, My definition of success is, you know, creating opportunities for my community. So as we expand on a national level, it's then my goal to figure out how I can bring these opportunities back to my city. Hmm. Um, So say we get a development deal off of this web series. Um, It's then, okay, how do we bring all of these opportunities back to Chicago? That can be, you know, us shooting in Chicago. That can be us hiring Chicago artists. That can be bringing in all of those people that we've worked with potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it, it's more so how do we expand, but also bring our community with us while we do that. Yeah. Um, I think in turn you see, you know, as I get on, Chicago gets on and vice versa. And there are more opportunities coming our way. We've seen that with Brown Girls. We've seen that with, you know, whatever your favorite musician in Chicago is. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's kind of key. Is you know, yeah, we want to expand. Yeah, we want to capitalize on these opportunities, but we also want to bring our community with us. It's the
1: like rising tide lifts all boats type thing. It's
3: important, yeah, and I believe in that.
1: I like a seafaring analogy. <laughs> <laughs> I have to pee now. Yeah, we. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, well, we can take a break. Um, so we're we're getting toward the end, but you know, we, we've gotten I think a pretty clear understanding of the ethos and the step specifically right now for for where you're seeing this going um i want to go back a little bit to you know two years ago two and a half years ago when you're on set on uh, on sam Bailey's sets Mm -hmm. and you're trying to figure out you know what this what this future could look like are there things that you thought were going to be part of the equation then that you've had to discard since then
3: You know, I think VAM has grown so quickly. You know, in just two years, we've done so much. And one thing that we do that I want to do more um, that I didn't really think would be part of the equation is um, we help fund um, productions from artists who might not have finances to do so. Mm -hmm. So within any one of these, like, budgets that is a bit higher, um, we will put in a studio fee. And Hmm. within that studio fee for any other production company, it goes to their vacations, their, their mortgages, rent, whatever. But we then take that and we put it towards financing projects from artists that we love and that we believe in.
2: Hmm.
3: Um, I didn't think that that would be part of the equation, but as we started making money, it was super clear that we had to do something that was impactful with it. Hmm. Um, I think that was a really beautiful discovery and it's, my main motivating factor for hustling so hard is, you know, when we book something, when it's big, when we film something and that budget's great, um, it's, it's us figuring out a way to help fund, mm-hmm. you know, these artists that we, we love. And we do that a lot. And that's something that I want to do more in, yeah. in 2019.
1: For sure. I think we can move to the most important part of what oh, we shit. do here.
0: You know, I actually meant to have this conversation. Before. Trying to retire it? Maybe not retire, but I feel I feel like a hiatus is necessary, necessary. in this exact time. We'll explain to you what, we're what is happening. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so usually at this time, there's a big dramatic shift. Uh-huh. Uh, and we play a game <laughs> called Beef with the R&B Singer uh, yes. that, that started really, I guess, three years ago. Yeah, uh, Of us lampooning R. Kelly, but using R&B as a landscape overall to talk about like hyper masculinity mm. consent mm. abuse mm. and then also just let people like make fun of artists they don't like uh, and so it's 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 using humor as a tool yeah. but like I think in this exact moment yeah. uh, it does not feel comfortable or appropriate so I won't say retirement because the work still has to happen yeah. and R&B singers have run amok yeah, we're gonna do
1: you know what we'll do we'll just put it to be continued
0: like R&B singers do on a video <laughs> and then it
1: never gets followed up on. that's it perfect <laughs>
0: <hell>. <laughs> so yeah so to all the to all the devout <laughs> listeners out there that <laughs> were waiting to hear this speak, they'll understand <laughs> yeah we're going we're to take a little break and we'll, we'll re
3: strategize.
0: <laughs> Let's, Let's
2: see if there's other I ways that we can that. have that conversation. That's great.
1: <laughs> so, then before we get out of here, are there any of the bajillion themes we've talked about so far? Anything you want to circle back to? Anything you feel like you didn't get a chance to explore?
3: I mean, prioritize POC, QPOC, women, trans folks as much as you can. Um, I think we have to create safe spaces. And if you have any sort of platform to do so, um, you're responsible.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, don't be afraid to. It doesn't take a lot of work. You know what I mean? I don't even have a business plan. <laughs> 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 uh, but we're doing some of the most amazing work I've seen. And, and it's because we're just taking an initiative. Yeah. Um, I want to see more people do that a little
1: bit of intention. Um, it doesn't a take a lot. Way, yeah.
3: You know what I mean? It doesn't take a lot to ask pronouns. It doesn't take a lot to make sure that women around you feel safe. Um it's about communicating. So don't be afraid to communicate. Use whatever platform that you have to do so. Um it, it'll resonate with more people than you think.
0: Mm. I like that. I like a, 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 a recap. mission statement yeah, at the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how do you feel? What did you learn yeah. Yeah, from the conversation? Yeah, but that's real. So, and how do you feel
3: right now? I feel great. You know, I I usually am like super nervous when it comes to any sort mm. of public speaking. So, I've avoided it all uh. last year. So,. Um, it's it's dope to be able to have these really intellectual and in depth conversations about a wide range of topics. Yeah,
1: and I feel like yeah. you're, your your podcast game is jumping up right now. I feel like you're yeah, you're, you're all over crazy. the place. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it sure. it's not public speech. It's yeah. just it's a it's a private speaking that the public hears. <laughs> definitely, yeah. <laughs> this go. one
3: for sure has been like super dope. I oh, appreciate, yeah, appreciate yeah, you. Yeah, definitely it's, one of my faves. Oh, thank you so yeah. much.
1: How can folks uh, find you in the ways you want to be found? What's the What's the update on when Absolutely, the web series is coming out? What's yeah, all the info?
3: Yeah, so web series is premiering in March. After we storm a couple festivals, nice. Um, you can find that on VAMStudio.net. Um, we're VAM Studio official all over of social platforms. Uh,
1: Was VAMStudio.com taken? You know you just like
3: the dot. No, net. it was taken actually, and uh, August of this year is when it's up for grabs again. So my eyes let's go. Open. But also, I like I like the nostalgia of like dotnet. It's like using a hotmail email. Yeah, you know, like yeah. why not? So I fuck with that. <laughs>
2: it's
3: part of my my being now. So yeah, I'm super stoked for. it But yeah, thank you guys for having. No, me. thank, thank for you for coming through. Really me. appreciate sharing your thoughts. Such a delve conversation. I love what you guys are doing to continue the conversation. Thank thank you appreciate so you. Much. Yeah, same.
1: We'll be back next week with another person reshaping the culture of our city for the more equitable and creative.
0: Much love to the people.
1: Peace. (laughs) Damon, you recognize those drums? I think I do. You know what song they're from?
0: Is this a Belle Biv DeVoe moment?
1: It's a Belle Biv DeVoe moment. That is from the song Poison. (laughs) I really thought that song was America's favorite poison. No, no, no. Turns out it's beer.
0: <laughs> Speaking of beer, this episode is brought to you by Lagunitas Brewing Company, Chicago Tap Room and Beer Sanctuary.
1: Come for fresh beer, live music, and killer food, Wednesdays through Sundays, killer food, <laughs> 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. Bring your group and hop on a brewery tour seven days a week, or swing by the Lagunitas Tap Room in Pilsen.
0: Does sanctuary like imply meditation and offerings to the Lord? Not my lord.
1: (laughs) You can also find some Lagunitas near you at lagunitas.com.
2: Life is uncertain. Don't sip.